This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording as always from the home studio. Very glad to have someone who beat the San Francisco downtown traffic, got to the office, and we're having a nice conversation as always. It's the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. How you doing, Tim? Looking good. Now I'm feeling good. Ready for uh, some basketball coming up, right? And then, of course, football season, all these things all kind of converge. But I, I will ask you, you had a pretty busy summer uh, coaching a little basketball team called Team USA. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, this is what you love to do. I know you love coaching Team USA. You've loved your time as an assistant there. Just how different is it to be the head coach, you know, from your time as assistant under Popovich? I mean, you know, you're used to getting fans and second guessing from a pretty large uh, fan base for the Warriors, but this is a whole nation kind of, do you feel right. that at all? Do you feel the difference? You know, I think um, when you get involved in, in with a team at any um, level, whether it's the Warriors or, or team USA, I mean, you just immerse yourself in the work and uh, you, you really um, embrace the, uh, the camaraderie, um, the the unity that 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 happens, um, the work with the group, and you don't really think too much about anything else. I mean, I, I think at this point in in my career, um, I'm just well aware that that uh, you know I'm going to be in the spotlight and you know in the in the frying pan, whatever you want to call it, um, <clears throat> and that's part of it. That's part of the deal. And so you you don't really even think about it much. You just try to do the best that you can every day and create the best atmosphere with the group and, and um, you know, let people do their jobs and, and see, see if you can accomplish something uh, together. And uh, in this case, it was a fantastic experience. Great group. Um, players were awesome. Coaches were amazing. Um, we didn't quite get it done, but it was, it was a fantastic experience. I don't want to go too far in this, but it did feel like similar, maybe was from a far watching uh, from your wars experience. You've dealt with superstars. You've dealt with integrating people into a system, you know, and looking and parsing out minutes, roles, that kind of thing. You've also dealt with people saying, why don't you sign more centers, bring more centers in? <laughs> I mean, did it, did it, I'm sure that was part of obviously the reason you're picked is because you dealt with all this stuff on such a high profile thing. And almost like dealing with the Warriors stuff is, it, you know, is the way to lead into something this big. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we've been in the spotlight for nine years here. And, um, and so I think, you know, part of the reason um, that um, I was chosen was my, uh, my experience with, 
with you know being in the finals six times and and then of course being with Greg Popovich in 19 and 21 and having the experience with Team USA and uh, you know, I, 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 it was a great collaboration with Grant Hill, with Sean Ford, uh, Jim Tooley from USA Basketball. These guys are amazing. They run an incredible organization. And um, so it was it was just awesome to be part of it. And um, the roster uh, w- was something we worked on throughout the NBA season, really, um, especially in the spring, um, you know, as we got closer to competition. And it's always interesting recruiting for Team USA because um, it, it sort of takes shape based on circumstance, based on you know what uh, what people decide to do if they want to take part, if they don't want to take part, and then you have to piece the roster together from there. And in this particular case, we had uh, mostly young guys, a group of really um, I think guys who are emerging stars. Yep. Um, I think we had two two all-stars, um, you know, but, but a lot more who are on the rise and a lot more, um, all-stars who are coming. And, um, it was a great group. It was, they, they were so committed. Um, they, everybody was, um, you know, all in, nobody ever complained about playing time. It was, um, what can we do to, to win? And so, so it was really a fun group to coach. I know you really like these guys and, and they really seem to enjoy their time together. You don't win, obviously. Number one ranking, though. Way to go, Stevie. You got that number one world <laughs> ranking. Uh, but then also the reports of LeBron, you know, Durant. I mean, Steph, I think, was always thinking, you know, very heavily about coming. I know you don't want to just knock people to the side. But have you heard those things from them? Is your sense that this could be a superstar gathering in, in Paris next next summer? Yeah, I haven't talked to any of the players. Um, you know, Grant Hill and Sean Ford and I um, – talked about it a little bit you know after the tournament ended in in manila and you know we flew home we talked a little bit about next summer but um we we have always been aware that um next summer is pretty unique you know the, um an olympics in paris um you know a lot of people are going to want to go uh, a lot of people's wives are going to tell them you have to go <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it's one of the most beautiful cities in the in the world um we're coming into a, a unique point, I think, in the NBA where you've got uh, you know, a lot of guys like Steph, like LeBron, who are in the latter stages of their careers. Um, Steph, of course, has never played in the Olympics. Yep. Um, you know, um, LeBron has played in at least two, maybe three. I can't remember. I think three. Um, so uh, who knows how it's all going to play out. But uh, this is Grant Hill's job, Sean Ford's job, and uh, with with collaboration uh, f- with me, and and uh, you know we'll be putting our heads together and f- trying to figure out what's best for for Team USA to try to win the gold. Uh, moving on, there are certainly Warriors things to talk about. So let's move over over there. I'm sure people are listening for some of that. I know we we've talked uh, over the last few months about like you were very strong insisting this is not a last dance. Like even last year was not a last dance situation. This is not a last dance. One more year. Pretty clearly by the con- contracts now, it's not a. This is not what's happening. So what is this? Do you do like kind of a ga- regathering of the of the you know the the foundational figures? How do you assess kind of the commitments the franchise made? Certainly to Draymond with a new contract. Yeah. Um. But also, no, you know, Bob Myers leaves, and you know, how do you kind of feel about that sense going into this season? 
Yeah, I, I think um, this year, every year is different and, and the circumstances change. And you, and I think part of my job is to really embrace those circumstances and then help the team uh, make the best of them and, and really um, lean into them. And uh, I think the way uh, Mike Dunleavy handled this past summer uh, and the way uh, Joe and, and the whole group really approached it was uh, we're, we're leaning into the, the core group and we're saying, all right, we, we still have something to give, something to offer. Um, Steph, Clay, Draymond, that's um, that's what this team has been, you know, based on those three for the last decade. And uh, we feel like uh, all three of those guys still have plenty left. And and Mike really um, built the roster with the idea that um, we've got this window. Let's let's uh, make the most of it and try to win another title. And uh, I'm thrilled with uh, what Mike has done. I think he's done a brilliant job of uh, putting together a roster that that makes sense that we can. Um, uh, succeed with and um i'm excited it's going to be a really fun year is that literally a discussion like you mike and joe and everyone else has to have like at the start like is this the group we're going with for three more years i mean is that literally a conversation you had yeah among other um topics but i, I think that's the main one is um you know and, and obviously last year um we had draymond's uh contract that was at the at the core of all this, really, you know, he had the opt out. So essentially, um, was going to become a free agent. And, uh, so we, I think as an organization, we had to decide, um, you know, are we, are we going to go forward with Draymond knowing Steph's got a few years left on his deal, uh, knowing Clay had, uh, had one more, um, I think Draymond was the key decision over the summer and collectively we all just felt like, you know what, he's, he impacts winning at such a high level. Um, he's he's still such a uh, an impactful player um, at both ends, um, and this has been such a special group. Let's let's lean into the group and see what we can do. In, in my mind, I thought it was like Game Seven in Sacramento kind of decided that. I know there's a lot of different things that matter, a lot of different things that go into this, and it's not just about winning a first round. But how big was that moment? Like, do you look back like? That was those guys showing us that yeah. they could keep doing this. Yeah, yeah, that was a a, a, a huge moment for us and for the uh, the transition into this year. Obviously, the season didn't end how we wanted, um, losing to the Lakers. Um, and you know, I look back and I think Game Six against Sacramento was was really damaging in terms of our. Um, ability to win the next series yep. you know it forced us into that tough game seven we lose game one at home to the lakers and um, you know we're playing from behind the rest of the way but but uh you know game seven itself was a masterpiece um from from steph from the whole group really um i think we had seven or eight turnovers for the game um steph had 50 points of course um and and just put on a a show, but our defense was terrific. Um, Loon was brilliant. Um, it just looked like a team that um, was a championship club that knew how to win games on the road in the playoffs. I think that that game showed we we still had it. And obviously, you know, you lean the Mike Dunleavy or the the, the team as a, as a whole leans into the experience even more by you know trading for Chris Paul. Uh, Jordan Poole, younger player for Chris Paul, 38 years old, uh, 38 year old guard. And 
you and Dunley yesterday at your pressers both mentioned, you know, how how much communication there's been with Chris, how many times you've talked to him. You've talk- he doesn't text, he calls. I, lo- I love that too, <laughs> by the way. That hit me. Us, us older guys like that. Uh, and I know you use the classic coach, like we've got six starters. we got six starters. It doesn't, you know, we're going to decide this. But they, obviously everyone points out that five-man starting lineup, you know, with, with Looney at center, Dr- Draymond, Wiggins, Clay, and Steph was the best five-man lineup per, right. you know, you know, all those things. So can you really say, yeah, you know what, let's just put Chris Paul, in, you know, instead of somebody in that group? Or is it much more likely that you're going to keep that group together as a starting group? And it might close differently, but start. Yeah. Well, I mean, so on one hand, we had the best starting five in the league last year. On the other hand, we have added uh, one of the best point guards of all time to our team who still plays at a really high level who has never come off the bench a single time in his career. So you've got these, these two dynamics um, that are, uh, you know, we are staring at heading into camp. So to me, I'm keeping a a really open mind and uh, I think we have to see everything on the floor before we make any decision. It wouldn't be fair to anyone if we made a decision right now and said, Hey, this is the way we're going. It would make no sense. So we're going to take all of training camp, all three weeks. Um, you'll see different lineups out there, different starting lineups. Um, we're going to have uh, plenty of combinations, plenty of discussions. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to lean into the experience uh, of this group, um, not only for what we see on the floor, but for the communication that happens off of it as we have to make this decision um because the only way it works is if everyone's in everyone believes in what we're doing and uh, you can't i can't just make that proclamation before camp even starts we got to see all this and we'll we'll make a decision after some time is chris at least open to the possibility of coming off the bench uh you know when we first talked um you know right after uh he signed um you know, we we had a discussion, and it was mainly just, um, you know, what what does our team have? What does it look like? Um, what's my vision for the team? And uh, so I, I addressed the issue briefly, um, but I basically told him what I just told you uh, and told everybody listening that uh, we got to see, we we got to work on this and put everything on the floor and. Um, but the thing I know about Chris is he's one of the great competitors in league history. Um, he's an incredible, uh, competitor, gamer, winner. Um, I felt like every time we played against Chris, regardless of what team he was on over the years, uh, we were going up against, um, this, this force, this, uh, this guy who was just smart, tough made every possession count for his team um would switch defensively and show this brute strength down on the block you know in the houston years when he would switch and we'd throw it inside we couldn't score on him um this guy's just he's a winner and so uh, he's coming to a team that already knows how to win um when you put winners and smart players together um good things happen so my job as a coach is to let it all play out to keep the communication going, to get everybody on the same page, and then to move forward from there. So we'll see how it all works. One thing you noted yesterday, you know, when asked about going small lineup, you know, with Draymond at center, you mentioned, hey, you know, we could also do it with Looney. Uh, sure. And I, I've just sensed that 
Looney isn't no no longer considered like just the guy you pull out the first time, right? I mean, is he kind of a larger presence in these discussions? Like, listen, he's he's not a guy that we just automatically pull out of a starting lineup. I, am I reading this correctly? Yeah, I think you know early in his career, um, you know, Loon when he first started making an impact, he was kind of the uh, the guy you could um, just use in a, any capacity. Start him, you know, give him the uh, what we call the senior day start. You know, where you play him six minutes at the beginning of each half, and and then don't play him the rest of the time. You could play him off the bench, even though he was the best center of the group. Um, you could do some combination. Um, part of the beauty of Loon is that he's just, uh, he's a winner and he's an incredibly accommodating team first player. Um, but I'm not going to penalize him for that. I know, I know that much. He's become one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. Um, great presence for us in, in the locker room, on the court. Um, he's one of our most impactful players. So, um, there's no way I'm just going to say, all right, well, we'll just bring Loon off the bench because he's, he's so accommodating that that has nothing to do with it at this point. He's one of our best players. He needs to be out there and he's going to play a ton. You, you always think in combinations. I do too. Like who plays best with who mm -hmm. is there a specific, you've mentioned a few, but like, is there a specific couple guys you're most curious to see kind of how they play with Chris Paul that you think might really bring out the best in them? I Kaminga, I guess would be one of them. Anyone else, or is it specifically Kaminga right now? Well, you know, JK is a guy who we, we uh, really want to uh, help, you know, take the next step. I think he's really grown in the two years that we've had him. You know, um, he, he's got this great potential and and um, but he's still figuring out who he is as a player. And so uh, I'm really excited about JK being on the floor with Chris. Um, you know, you can put him in pick and roll. Chris is is going to, you know, feed everybody on the team. I mean, he's he, he just makes the game easier for everybody. So I'm excited about um, about those two together. I'm really excited about the addition of Dario Saric. I think um, he was a crucial, crucial signing for us. Um, you think about our team two years ago that won the championship. One of the reasons we won is we had Belly and uh, and Otto Porter, two bigs who could shoot and play make on the perimeter and tie together uh, certain combinations. So, you know, you look at Saric, he's a, he's a bigger and stronger version of Bielitsa. Um, you know, really good uh, pick and pop player, but also very strong, very physical, great screen setter, great dribble handoff guy. Um, played with Chris Paul in Phoenix um, at a really high level. Um, Chris told me uh, that he thought uh, Dario's injury against Milwaukee uh, early in that series was one of the reasons uh, Milwaukee came back. He he felt that strongly that Dario was so important to that series and to their team. And remember, he he tore his ACL in I think it was game one or game two of the of the series. Um, so we're getting him, you know, two years after the ACL. Um, he's only twenty nine. He's a guy who just connects lineups, and everyone can play with him. And so Dario is a huge, hugely important addition, and I'm I'm thrilled to have him. That does, that does bring the topic about big men who work in your in the Warriors mm -hmm. system, and I'm a bow gets drilled in this into me. It's hard to play center, and you, you know you got to move, you got to know where Steph is, got to know where Draymond is, uh, and I guess is that 
part maybe without trying to be tough on people in the past, but is that part of the lesson of the last few years that it's just it's a certain type of big man who works and there's a certain type of big man who's gonna who's gonna struggle sure. playing with these guys. Yeah, but but I think it's also where the game has gone, Tim. It's not just the Warriors, you know. It's uh, you know, and you want to have passing and playmaking at every position today in the NBA. Um, It's like in uh, you know, Premier League, you you got goalkeepers who are um, playmakers now and and handling the ball and becoming extra um, passers. And and it's no longer the old days where you just needed a you know a center who just blocked shots and rebounds. You you want playmaking from all five spots. That's why Bogut was so great. Brilliant passer, um, screen setter. Um, so the guys who can pass are the ones who are going to thrive. That's why Zaza Pachulia was a very effective player for us. Um, it, you know, if you can pass now, all of a sudden you're unlocking so much with Steph and Clay off the ball because you're not just setting ball screens for them, but you're delivering the ball to them. And uh, that's what Dario can do. Um, it's going to open up our offense, um, having him out on the floor for sure. That's what, you know, I mean, as you, as you may or may not know, fans are very eager to sign centers. And I point out just because Andrew's just drilled it in my life. You just can't just sign a center. Center right. has to be able to play, right? has to be able to work with these guys and, and not be a major negative. Like, like, do you find that, like, what's the per- general percentage of guys that you look at, you go, okay, he could really work with us. Is, is it a pretty low percentage of centers out there who can do this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there aren't, there aren't um, a lot of great centers in the league anymore. Frankly, this is not the nineties where, you know, every night it was uh, Shaq or Ewing or Olajuwon, uh, Rick Smith's or, you know, it's a different era. And, um, you know, everybody says, well, you need somebody to guard uh, Jokic. It's like, yeah, good good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, like yep. like I, I thought Anthony Davis last year was the key to our whole series. You know, he just took away our spacing and and was so dominant defensively. Um, you know, maybe the de- best defensive center in the NBA. And then they get swept by Denver and, and Jokic was incredible. Um, so if Anthony Davis is going to struggle with Jokic, so is everybody else. And so you can't just look at it and say, well, we need somebody who's really big and strong to, to guard you. You also have to, to say, all right, at the other end, what are we going to do? You know, what, how, how can we make the game more even, um, when you're going against a guy like that? Well, it's, it's, you know, with playmaking and, and passing and, and, uh, putting, you know, putting the other guy in a difficult spot. And um, that's the balance you're really looking for. So, you know, you could, you could, you could throw a big guy out there on Jokic and um, it may not matter. And then you're going to be less effective on offense at the same time. And you're really in a tough spot. As I always remember when you beat Denver a couple of years ago, obviously they didn't have, you know, they didn't have Jamal Murray, didn't have Michael Ward Jr. But the guy you had guarding pretty well was Draymond Green, right? I mean, not even, a, you know, no. nobody's classic, but that was the best guy. And that might be the best guy to guard him. We'll see, but and he's, he's an incredible player. He still scored a lot of points. He got a lot of rebounds, but it just isn't throw a big guy out there. And I will, I'm going to keep crediting Boga for this. He just pounded my head. You know what? That Australian guy might have a point here, having played, <laughs> played for the Warriors for a few years. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. 
Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I got to ask you about your contractual situation. I know you don't love talking about it, but it is out there. This is You are on one more year uh, left in your contract. Steve, you mentioned that you're fine with it. You, you don't feel like there's any dramatic urgency, but do you imagine, I mean, the Warriors have said they want you for long term. You've said, I know you want to be here. Can you imagine this thing can get wrapped up before the start of the regular season? Um, I, I don't, I don't know when it'll get wrapped up, but I, I'm not worried about it at all. Um, you know, I, I love it here. Love coaching, uh, this team, love working in this organization. Uh, Mike Dun Dunleavy is fantastic. Um, you know, having been here for five years already and being, you know, groomed, uh, by Bob, um, I couldn't ask for a, a better general manager to work with, work for, uh, Joe's been so great to me. Um, so I want to be here and, and they've told me the same thing that they want me here. And so, um, you know, we'll see how it all goes, but, um, I'm not, I'm not the slightest bit concerned about it. And interestingly, the, uh, coaching, uh, salary market seems to have spiked very recently. Have you taken notice of that? And does that change the dynamics at all? Well, I mean, we are so lucky to, to work in a league that, um, has just exploded um, economically. Um, you see where the salary cap is. Do you know that the when I entered the league as a rookie in 1988, the salary cap was $8 million. <laughs> <laughs> That's how old I am. Uh, so, you know, the league has just exploded. And, and um, I think even when I started coaching nine years ago, I think the salary cap was uh, $58 million, and now it's 138 or something. So, uh, the league has just exploded financially, and um, you know we're very lucky to be part of it and do something we love and to to you know make a, an incredible uh, living. Um, we're we're blessed, and and uh, I never forget that, and and um, count my blessings every day. So I love what I do, and and uh, fortunate to be compensated well for it, and um, you know, and and especially to coach here in the Bay with with a group of players like I've been able to um I say it all the time when people ask me but you know if uh if I had gone to New York uh, I would have lasted about 2 years mm -hmm. and I'd probably be doing television right now so there's a lot of randomness and circumstantial luck uh in life and uh I've had a lot of luck and good fortune coming coming to the Warriors you, you did have Bob Myers leave and people have asked me like was that affect what Steve wants to do long term did you have to think I mean I know I knew that you would want to stay I, I and I've said that your lodestar is Steph Curry which is pretty good lodestar like that's the guy that I connect you to obviously you're connected to Bob Myers though a lot of history there a lot of friendship all these things did you have to think about it do you did you do you have to think about without Bob and I mean for a moment or two at least that I'm not sure 
I just wanted to see how last year would would play out and see what direction things were heading. Um, you know, after the season, and and you know, Bob is one of my best friends, and um, I've been so lucky to work with him uh, over the last eight nine years, and and um, so some of some of all of this for me was, um, you know, let's see what Bob does, let's see where the team is, let's see where this is all heading and um, then assess my own situation. And that's the, you know, the, the good part of, of, you know, being a free agent or only having a year left is it gives you options. And, and uh, so I really embraced it over the summer and just, um, you know, when, when the direction of everything took shape and I saw, um, you know, where this was heading, like, hell yeah, I want to be a part of this. So, um, you know, I'm excited for this year and, and hopefully for, you know, the next few. Uh, one thing I should have asked you with all this, the center talk, just the way players fit or don't fit in the system. And listen, Jordan Poole, you know, had, did some lot of good things for you guys. And, and as Andre Iguodala, like wins you a finals game a couple of years ago, you know, largely was played great in that finals too. But Andre said something interesting. I think it was on the JJ Reddick podcast, how like he was telling Jordan, like you're trying not to try. Like, you know, it's almost like you're forcing it not to force it. Did you ever feel that with, with, with Jordan? Do you understand what Andre's saying there? So yeah, I think I told you uh, the other day when you asked me to come on the podcast, mm -hmm. and I said, I'm, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do your podcast every year because it's a tradition. If we're lucky enough to win the championship, I'm going to do Zach Lowe's podcast <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, that's that has become a tradition, too. And I told you I'm not doing any more podcasts mm -hmm. right other than other than yours and which and, i appreciate oh, which i do appreciate yes yes yeah. so uh, you're welcome you're mm -hmm. welcome but you know one of the reasons is that I, I i feel like podcasts have become kind of the ultimate gotcha and um what i've found and i've been very very generous with people over the years you know people just kind of doing favors like hey I'll, i'm yeah of course i'll do your podcast let me help you out or whatever uh but it seems like every time you comment in a podcast these days it becomes you know, the headline on ESPN.com and, mm -hmm. and, you know, the Warriors sites. And, and, uh, and so I, I've, you know, my whole thing is let's focus on this year, you know, and, and let's, let's look forward. Um, everything that's happened in the past is, is in the past. And, and I don't want to become part of this subculture that I get it. It's become a big part of the NBA and the financial machine and everything else, but it's just, there's just so much um, gossip and, and rehashing and, and, uh, and I, you know, I'm very outspoken and at times have stuck my foot in my mouth and, you know, in the past. And, and uh, I just, I've just, I think I've come to realize over time, it's just like, you just, you just got to move forward and, and look at the, at the future. And, um, I've been so lucky here. I've loved, loved the guys I've coached and, and including Jordan, just a great young guy. And, and, um, I'm, but I'm looking ahead to this, this coming season and I'm excited about it. And, you know, I'm, when I can, I'm going to remove myself from <laughs> the, uh, the NBA, uh, oh, gossip. terrible, terrible. This <laughs> Listen, I, I I, I'm, what can I say? I totally respect and understand that. It would certainly be something to discuss, but uh, uh, you're saying this on my podcast, and uh, I respect the hell out of that. 
uh, and we will uh, we will uh, move on. But uh, I wanted that <laughs> one just because there's uh, there's things that are grist for the mill, as they always say. We don't you don't need to continuously do that. That's right. Uh, Steve, uh, let's end this with something I think you'll be able to discuss quite openly. And I ask all my guests a version of this question. Steve, what's your favorite book right now? I just read a, a brilliant novel that my wife gave me on while I was on my trip to the Philippines. It's called uh, Demon Copperhead. It's a novel by a woman named Barbara uh, Kingsolver. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of the best novels I've read in years. It's um, it's a very sad story, but it's um, brilliantly written, um, vivid characters. Um, it's about a, a a young guy growing up in Appalachia in uh, Southwest Virginia. I didn't know much about kind of the Appalachian history and culture. Um, Appalachia refers to um, the the area encompassing multiple states. Um, in, near the Appalachian Mountains, and but the the book is about this young guy who's an orphan, and and it talks about his upbringing and foster care, and and uh, encompasses some of the um, opioid crisis that has um, uh, has been such a, a terrible issue in our country and in certain regions in particular. It was unreal. I mean, it was um, it was a book that um, really um, made me emotional at times, and and uh, really made me think and. Um, phenomenal book i could not give you a higher recommendation excellent i will i will read this i know she's she's written a lot of books she's a pretty best you know pretty yes. popular author but like his feels like a historical a little bit or is it all current current day recent like recent history i mean yep. it takes place at, you know kind of and um, you know right around the the uh, early 2000s and, and you know at the beginning of this uh, this opioid crisis that um that has been such an such a, an issue and um but ju- like i said just um you know w- w- when you when you love a, a good novel and you can't put it down and you look forward to you know getting in bed every night and, and picking up the book that's that's this book so um it's a it's excellent i saw somebody it's the real sign was when i was i was reading a series the slow horse slow horses series you know that's the british detective novels yes TV, yeah. and yeah. i came to the end of the last of them it's like i don't want this to end i, I started reading really slowly because like i don't want to close wow. this book because i don't have these characters anymore so so i'm glad to learn that because i i saw um a season of the show um uh, I can't remember. It was at HBO. No, it was Apple. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I saw a season, and the season was great. It was yeah. a really compelling show, and uh, I hadn't thought of those uh, novels. How many of them? I think are there's there? six. There's a yeah. series of six. And All right. I well, I got yeah. my next. Uh, there you go. I started book. watching the show, but then I kind of was reading the book at the books at the same time. So I kind of like. Tough, you know what? Yeah. I don't want to mix them up in my head. So let me just right. read the thing through. Yeah. It's really good. I think they get better and better, which is like rare. Like each one is a little richer, yeah. a little more. And you just love the character so much. So great. Uh, now I'm sad that I'm done. All right, Steve. <laughs> not sad that we're done with this. Thank you so much, as always, for coming on the show and for not doing any other pie. No, I'm not going to thank you for that. But it, uh, <laughs> quietly, I'm going to thank you for that. Uh, always good to talk to you. Always glad to have this uh, yearly annual pre-camp Steve Kerr on the TK show. I really appreciate All right. it. Thanks, Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Joe. That's Joe for today.